Hi, my name is Debbie Ritter, and I'm here with my good friend, Leslie Henderson. Hello. And we're here to talk to you a little bit about what is on our hearts. I love Father's theme for his um, these homilies that we've just had um, about moving from our Thank you, Lord, for our eighth grade faith, because it's a starting point, but uh, he helps us with his word that he gave us in these homilies to realize the need, the never ending need for growth and how often it's at that point, and he describes why, that it seems we've stopped. It's it's kind of um, a natural uh, inclination just given the sacramental life at least in the western church with confirmation being when it is in our diocese around ninth grade right and um yeah it's just our fallen human nature tends to just keep on looking for a resting spot can i stop here now can i stop striving but father tells us jesus says no (laughs) keep on this series really spoke to me. It really related to me. Um, I related to it. Um, and it's something that I knew a long time ago. I remember, you know, before I got married, um, just once I got engaged, I went out and bought a catechism. Wow. <laughs> I knew I was going to be married in the church and we were, you know, beginning our sacramental preparation for um, marriage. And, um, you know, I said, when I have kids, they are going to know their faith better than I do mm-hmm. because this is hard and it's yeah. a little bit scary. Yeah. And, you know, um, I really just wanted to know more. And so that was when my journey really started. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When I got married, that, that's, and sacraments tend to do that, right? They do. They do. <laughs> us with that grace. And um, so the first um, homily was on the prodigal son. Right. Right. And something that I took from this that I never really thought about um, was that, you know, the son that stayed behind, the son that stayed home, oh, yeah. the good son, right. that that wasn't necessarily the case, uh-huh. you know, that he also was separated from his father mm-hmm. in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, and why he was, you know, why he did the things that he did. Did he do it for the right reasons, for love of the father or out of duty or um, right. pride even, you know, to say I'm the good son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Father pointed out that neither son really knew the father. They Neither one of them really knew the father, which is to say knew his love. And so here we are. We don't yet fully, hopefully we're growing in our knowledge of the father's love. But uh, again, it remains while we're drawing breath on this side of the grave, it remains an unfinished business. We can always deepen our relationship with God and our um, reception of and therefore understanding of his love. And it can manifest, this lack can manifest in so many ways, like with the older brother being so full of himself, I'm doing the right things. Like Father said, he thought he could earn what was coming to him. On the other end of the spectrum, the younger son who said, to heck with all that, just give me and let me uh, do as I wish. I don't want to have to be responsive to any responsive to any rule or law or father's dictate, you know. And then there's all gradations in between. All the, the it's a spectrum, you know. And you and I might fall ourselves find ourselves closer to one than the other. I really relate to the older brother, you know, just so full of himself and follow the law and 
and uh, the sense of righteousness that needs to be overcome by um, instead realizing the Father's love is freely given. I haven't earned a thing. Yeah, he doesn't owe me anything. He just loves me. And I'm, I maybe I'm a ballot of, t- of the two. Uh-huh. Um, you know, sometimes I definitely just in my um, sort of desperation, try not to be too dramatic, but thinking if I just do these things, you know, like yeah. I feel um, sometimes like I'm failing. If I can just follow these things uh-huh. and do those things, then you know I'll be um, good enough. Right. But, um, you know, like you said, that it doesn't work that way. We no. don't have to um, perform ourselves into relationship with God. He loves us right. just the way we are. Just the way that doesn't we are. mean that we don't strive to, to be better, but right. he loves us just where we are. Um, I think Father brought up, I can't remember if he said it in the homily or just maybe in conversation, talking about how people want to like clean themselves up before they go to church. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm going to get over this before I come to church. I'm mm-hmm. going to start doing this before I start coming to church. Um, and you don't have to do that. You can come to church just as you are. And, and we want you there. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And loves you. In that very homily said um, that we don't have to clean up our act before we return to the father or turn more fully to the Father, you might say, well, I'm already His. I already want Him. But there's always more deepening that can be done. And you don't... In fact, our imperfection provides like the fodder for grace to act on, you know? Praise you, Lord, for this imperfection. Like, you know, St. Paul with his thorn in his side, whatever flaw we're dealing with, it's an opportunity for grace. Like those apostles asking Jesus, why was this guy born blind, his sin or his parents? And Jesus said, neither. So show the glory of God. Watch me cure him, you know, and he'll heal us too in his own time. That's lovely. And the, the dishonest steward, I have to be honest. I just didn't get this one. <laughs> well, I, because I, you're I, too <laughs> honest to get the dishonest steward, right? I just, um, I guess I, I understand him. Like once he's made his mistake, then, you know, preparing for the future. So I guess the correlation between the two isn't necessarily like he was even doing it for the right reason, but just that he was thinking ahead. Yeah. Okay. And that we should uh-huh. think ahead and prepare ourselves for um, what we know is coming. Yeah. Yeah. As Christians, we know the end does not justify the means, but the means are important. We are given means and we need everything that we possess, everything we have in our way of our gifts, our personal attributes, our money, our talents, whatever, our situation, advantageous situation. Those are all means to the end of growing more, uh, belonging to God more, and thereby being able to be more effective in bringing about his love in the world. So that's a very practical consideration. How, as a practical matter, like this dishonest steward, he is very practical, taking care of what to him was important, and that meant his livelihood after he gets canned by his uh, his first boss. You know, we have to be as practical with regard to the worthy end, which is our eternal life with the Father. Yeah, and be, and be, be practical in that sense. Well, good. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that very well. Father really cleared up for me, though, that the, the sonnet steward, 
his he was not dishonest in uh, canceling out that money. That was his own commission that he was foregoing. He right. was foregoing a present gratification of getting this commission from these people for the sake of his future uh, goodwill from them that they might offer him a job. So I had always thought, boy, this is transgression on transgression. You know, first he's dishonest to his boss, and then he's further dishonest by by cutting out something that is further owing to his boss to make the clients happy. That wasn't the case. It was his own commission that he was giving up. I really appreciated that insight. Sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. And homily three was on ministry. Um, I don't remember the the scripture that's that um, homily. Do you have that written down? But that's where we talk about, you know, um, using our gifts to give to right. give back to the church and ministry, um, using the things that um, the Lord has given us to um, give back to right. the church, to the body. Right. Father quoted St. Paul's letter a lot in this homily, where he used terms that are typical of the athlete who is training for the prize. And the parallel is we are also to work and strive for um, the good that Christ holds out. And by and large, that's sort of a passive thing in that we are to bear our crosses. So it's sort of a paradox because it's both passive and active. You know, we can't resent and shun and run away from our cross. We have to bear it patiently and enduringly, just like the athlete might put on weights to make it harder to run that track to increase his muscles and his cardio. Um, he takes on the, the burden in order to be better. Again, it's means to an end. It's not the end itself. Um, but it does involve striving. God won't save us without us. We are not robots. Right. We are free wills. We are like God, and we are in His image and like we have free will. And so He's going to respect that and work with that. That means we have to respond. Yes, that takes something, especially when you're being burdened by some real affliction, to say yes. You know, like a person who might be burdened with a real temptation towards inchastity of some kind and and says, you know, declines indulging that desire for the sake of saying yes to the Lord. You know, it's like a champion or an athlete. He says, lay hold of the prize. And he says, it's not just a out there when you die prize. I mean, we do look forward to our beatitude, which is full and complete, finally only after death. But we can in this very moment start to realize that means to experience the fullness of this prize within ourselves. No matter how low we are, no matter what we're suffering, we can start by saying yes now and taking on that challenge like the athlete does we can immediately begin to experience the gratification that comes with getting closer success. to success. Yes. It's a beginning yeah. of a success. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, yeah. I, I, I do remember this homily now. Um, it was actually Deacon Doug Martin mm-hmm. who gave this homily. And again, I'm, I'm an athlete washed up, but <laughs> um, hardly I, you know, I related to this a lot, you know, practicing, um, um, giving up things for the good of, of our um, training or whatever. So you can relate that to your faith as well. Mm -hmm. Like you said, you're somebody who's inclined to a certain sin. Um, 
for foregoing that, which we should always do. But just, you know, small sacrifices, even if they're not sins, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes there, we sacrifice certain things um, for the better of you know, mm-hmm. our family or mm-hmm. for even our own um, strength and um, building our strength to carry certain crosses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I really like that. Um, that comparison. I yeah. can relate to that for sure. Yeah. What you just described uh, reminds me of um, this realization I had with regard to um, Jesus's and the, his church's um, encouragement of, of fasting as a manifestation of prayer. I think back to when I have just picked out, when I have eaten a huge, after Thanksgiving meal or whatever, and feel so full. And I am not very inclined to pray. I just want to sleep and put my feet up and whatever. But when we fast, when we do without, like you referred to doing without, it sharpens. It it, it allows us to be more open to the spirit. We're not so, we're hungry, both not just there's a correlation between our physical experience of hunger and our spiritual because we're integrated we're composite beings, body and soul. So when we fast from food, you know, it it can result in a heightened sense of our need for our spiritual food. Yeah. Not so dull-witted. We're lighter. We're lighter, yes. yes. <laughs> um, and so homily four, which I really loved um, about prayer, um, the story of Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, um, entering into prayer with the Lord and really speaking to the Lord. And, um, you know, our rote prayers are great, um, but really learning how to have a conversation with God. And the example, you know, of Habakkuk was his anger towards God and mm-hmm. and shouting and screaming and, you know, why, mm-hmm. why, Lord, why keep sending these mm-hmm. hardships? Um, and that's okay. That's prayer, you know, having... Right. Um, giving your time to um, speak to the Lord instead of just maybe um, stewing in your anger, you know, letting it out. Um, And then of course, also giving Thanksgiving to the Lord when anytime, all the time, just for Mm -hmm. our lives. Um, So that's, you know, that's sort of a a journey that I've been on for years now and, um, you know, learning just how to pray without ceasing. You know, I try to just daily hourly, you know, have something to say, thank you, Jesus, for this, you know, mm-hmm. um, and just be in constant sort of communication. Mm-hmm. And then you just feel closer to the Lord. Now. That's right. You can't help but get closer. You know, Lord, help me to keep my eyes on you. You know, in his anger, the, the significant thing is being human, Habakkuk experienced anger. We all do when we're frustrated in what we want. But the significant thing is that he brought his anger to God instead of turning his back on God because he was angry with him. Likewise, do I want my child, if my child is angry with me, it's a real grace that my child might be venting and telling me how perturbed he is with me. At least he's addressing me. He hasn't turned away and given up on me. By addressing me, by us addressing God with our anger and our other difficult feelings, it shows that we are hoping for a response from him that will respond to this anger, answer it somehow, maybe show us a reason why actually things are going to be okay. Show me where I'm wrong. 
I also liked in this um, story, Habakkuk, how, you know, he doesn't get the answer that he wants. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, you know, but we, it's, it's a good lesson that, you know, we have to move forward and continue to trust in the Lord when things aren't going our way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when things are even really bad, um, just, you know, keep your trust in the Lord and keep communicating and um, um, having that hope. Right. What a grace to continue to trust with this present cross you are bearing. The fact that you continue to trust in him, which is to say you don't pitch off the cross and run the other direction and seek some way to anesthetize yourself from it or Mm -hmm. just reject it and just say to heck with all of this. You continue to to persevere. That that is such a grace. Um. I thought it was interesting how um, sort of the the consolation in in the story was that you know God is saying, well, don't worry about all that because something worse is even coming. You know <laughs> I what know. I mean? Like, so you just gotta let that go because it doesn't uh-huh. matter anyways. Uh-huh. And so it was just kind of um, kind of comical, yeah. but um, very real. You know very how real. our lives can be sometimes when yeah. um, you know you say I've been praying for this or I've been looking for this and it's just not happening and you know. Um, if you really just sit back and look at things, you maybe you got your answer, and the answer was no, or right. this is happening, and you know we're going to get through that and mm-hmm. stay close to him, right. and just continue to move forward. Which is perfect because he never doesn't respond to our prayer. Whenever we address him, he will never not respond. The fact that it's not the response we in this moment want. He knows when I ask him for something, what even better than I do, what's behind, what need is behind my requesting him uh, of him, uh, item A. He might realize that that is coming from me needing, really needing item B, you know, and it might do, it will do me more harm if he grants my request for item A or situation A than if he withholds. So he never doesn't answer. He gives us exactly what we need. And I love Father's example about how, like, when we're concerned about how things are in our culture and the situation in the United States, our country, it'd be like God responding, oh, well, don't worry, it's all going to change. You know, the North Koreans are going to be invading us and taking over pretty soon. So don't worry about all don't that. Don't worry about all that. Yeah. You're going to have bigger fish. Yeah. Yeah. It's like rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic or something. And then homilies. Week five homily um, on personal faith, Mm -hmm. which I really love that one. Um, um, So what does that look like to to trust in the Lord? And sometimes it's a very simple solution. Sometimes a very simple thing is to just say yes and just to follow um, um, what he asks of us. Now with Habakkuk, you know, he was angry and, you know, the Lord said, well, you know, we're going this way, but with, um, Naaman, he expected like some big thing that he had to do. Like I have to do something to receive this this healing, and the Lord was just like, "No, just do what I say. Just do this simple thing. Mm-hmm. To, you know, wash in the water, and right? Came clean. So that was about his faith, you know, about whether he believed that it would happen. Trust. Um, right. That's Trust. right. Oh, excuse that sound there. There. So. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that that homily, and it you know helped me to um, look within and sort of have um, more 
personal faith. I mean, I, th I think I do pretty good. Um, I, I think um, I, I'm kind of an emotional person, a little bit of drama queen. <laughs> so I might react oh, a certain no. way to things, but I always feel like everything's going to be okay eventually. You know, I, I always have faith that, um, you know, just, just take one step more, wait another day, um, even though, you know, we might suffer in the interim mm -hmm. that, you know, that it's coming. That That's right. Are coming if we just keep moving towards our um, Lord. That's right. That's right. This life was, and he created things perfectly. Sin, our sin, sins entered and disordered everything, physical and spiritual. But like, was it Aquinas said, oh, happy fall. You know, he sends a savior who actually makes everything better than if nothing bad had happened in the first place. Yeah. It's a little, you know, if you, I, for me, if you, um, to contemplate on it too much, just kind of gets a little bit overwhelming. I know, <laughs> I know. Um, when you just think about, you know, how one action creates a reaction and mm -hmm. how what we do can affect so many people. Right. And when you were saying earlier about, you know, how we ask for something, it might be um, because we need something else, but maybe it's because somebody else needs something else. Right. You know, like we don't necessarily get our way because for the, the good of the kingdom, it's, right. it's not the, the right thing. Right. And, you know, the good of my brother, you know, me being denied something I think I need or want, but and it's going to benefit my brother or sister in the Lord, that is my benefit as well. I just, because of my fallen fallenness, I, it's hard for me to see it that way. It's hard for us to see that the benefit to our brothers and sisters, to other parts of the body, so to speak, are ultimately to my greatest benefit. Yeah. I love the way Father in this uh, homily said that we move from external rule following to, because of our personal faith, it becomes an interior reality that drives us. That was just right. really, I found that very helpful. Right. And that's how he wraps up the, the series is just talking about how um, we, ha we have to internalize that faith and make it our own and not just the things that we were taught and the physical things of the church and the um, the lessons, which are all great, but we have to internalize all that. It has to come back mm -hmm. out. It has to be um, regurgitated, right? Yeah, well, like it, a, um, it drives us. Our actions manifest yeah. the power of that spirit, his Holy Spirit, that we have said yes to entering us more fully. And the law, if you will, are just particular manifestations of that spirit of love they are not the spirit themselves but they they show forth the spirit you know so the ten commandments um all those things the, the things we've been taught we are taught by the church and her catechism about right and wrong and how to love one another that's something that we know is true because of the spirit dwelling in us um which is prior to the law it gives forth the law and um, I love the way mm -hmm. he, he categorized, you know, followers, <laughs> um, you know, oh, the yes. contributors, mm -hmm. the um, comfortable contributors, and then the people with full commitment to commit their lives to the Lord. Right. And um, 
And I, I would imagine there's a spectrum between all of those as well. You yeah. Know? Um, uh, and, you know, Father was careful to say um, to the parish that day, you know, if, if you're in the first category and you're here as consumers, right, that's what he calls them, mm-hmm. consumers, then that's what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> you know, you're not ready to move on. It takes, um, it takes time practice. Like an athlete, mm-hmm. you know, you need to come, you need to absorb, you need to learn. You need to have that experience of faith. You know, you need to have those things um, happen to you. Like you need to trust in the Lord and have consolation in that and so that you go, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. this, this works. This is right. Um, he gave this uh, um, example. One of the greeters told him that somebody new came in. He had never seen this woman before. Somebody came in to come to Mass. And he approached her with the worship aid and to shake her hand. And she said, I'm just here for mass. I don't want anything else. Uh-huh, you know? uh-huh. She said, just leave me alone. I want to uh-huh. be my little cocoon. Yeah. I'm just here to, um, mm-hmm. you know. Check off my box. Right. <laughs> and it's got to be you know, more than that. But if it's that for you right now. It's a starting point. Right. It's absolutely a starting point because mm-hmm. you're there. That's right. You're there. So God can work with that. It's just like when you go in to pray to him, you just go in that cell, close the door, and you're just totally distracted, but you've put aside that time. You put yourself there apart from everything else. God can work with that, and you will. Look out what might happen. Same with the showing up for Mass on Sundays. Look out what, what might happen. Right. And we've heard so many stories and examples of things like that. You know, mm-hmm. the, the person who is doesn't believe and what just have one um magical, miraculous um, encounter with the Lord or somebody else representing that love of the Lord and how it's changed their lives. And and like you said, in turn, when their lives are changed, it's like a ripple effect. You know, all the people around them, their lives are changed as well. Because we're all connected. We're all connected. And you're right. That word encounter is so key and ties all these six homilies together where it is the encounter with our Lord Jesus Christ that brings about, brings us from the eighth grade into adulthood, you know? And I think that um, every, all of us have something to learn from all of these lessons since we're, you know, constantly growing in our faith. Um, and so I, I just, yeah, I thought it was a great um, homily series and it really was uh, beneficial to, to everybody to hear it. Amen to that. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Debbie. Okie doke. Love you too.